Welcome back to the 18th episode of the Boy Oh Boy Wowie podcast and today we have another massive guest who played 325 AFL games, is a two-time premiership player, won the Madden Mellon t- 2013 and has polled 89 Brownlow votes. Please welcome Jude Bolton. Thanks heads for coming on today, Jude. Pleasure, Bailey. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Just jump straight into the questions. Yeah, sure. How did you first get involved in footy? Yeah, so I grew up in Ballarat originally. Uh, my brothers, I'm, I'm the youngest of three boys, so my brothers were just sport crazy and my mum and dad really fostered that as well. They, I, I can remember my brother, you know, asking for a cricket pitch in the backyard, my dad laying, um, you know, the cricket pitch, a concrete cricket pitch and playing basketball, but they were, they were mad into footy. So um, as a youngest of three boys, you just sort of look up to your brothers and they were really good footballers. Um, in Ballarat, and then um, so I just sort of got into it playing uh, playing local footy in Ballarat, and then uh, moved to Melbourne when I was about twelve and played uh, played for one of the local clubs there. What was it like representing your state at a junior level? Yeah, I think I had a bit of a different um, sort of entry along the way because I I was in the state squads and things like that. I came through the Calder Cannons um, after playing with St Bernards for a long way and. You know, I thought I was uh, in a lot of the uh, Victorian squads at different stages, but I actually got cut. I was the last cut in uh, both the uh, under-15 squad and under-16 squad. So, you know, I was through that emergency each time, and it it really drove me. And I, think, I look back now, it probably set me up pretty well, the fact that I just did get have to go back and focus on so many things. So I was really proud to wear um, the state jumper in under-18. So that was my first opportunity um, I think I was vice captain behind Adam Ramanaskis, I think, as well. Or um, yeah, I can't remember exactly who was captain that year, but um, yeah, ended up making all Australian and having a really good tournament. So um, yeah, really, really proud. Yeah. So basically, when you were emergencies for them under fourteen, under sixteen, it really like drove you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think I look back and I, oh, I can actually have had the. Um, the uh, manager of the the state squad come up to me one day and said, "You know, after after you, after we cut you, you came up and said, I'll make you, I'll make you regret this decision or something like that.' I must have said something that really drove me. You know, for me, I always probably played my best footy when um, when I was challenged and when really I had to go out and work so hard on things. And I think that's when I I was never the most talented player. Um, you know, even at, AFL level or uh, or junior level, but I, I worked hard, and I and I think that's what sort of helped me get um, you know a long long sort of um, you know fruitful career. Yeah, when did you really start to take your footy seriously? Um, probably probably under sixteens, probably um, early on under fifteens. I was probably just enjoying it, and um, you know got a few into a few of the different squads and things like that, but. Yeah, under 16s, I was still playing a lot of cricket at the time. Um, even, you know, I was lucky enough to be in the under-17 Victorian squad for cricket. And, but I just, I, I was running off the cricket field to just go and do my pre-season training. I was so excited to get, get myself fit and ready for, for footy season. And I, know, I just loved it so much. And I think when you start seeing recruiters at certain games, I think that's when it starts to be real for you. And I... I I can remember St Kilda being one of the first recruiters to come down. John Beveridge at the time was a wonderful recruiter for the Saints and I was a Saints supporter. So 
I was so excited to think I might, you know, might go down to a, my beloved St Kilda, and um, you know, it wasn't to be in the end. But um, you know, it was, it was such a good journey going through that process, and and, uh, and having the recruiters starting to take a bit of interest. Yeah. Um, what was your lead up to the draft like? Um, I think it came on the back of a, obviously a really good season playing for the Calder Cannons and and uh, the Victorian uh, team. So playing for Vic Metro and making all Australian, it sort of started to put things in place to say, okay, you, you, you're going to be a you know, potential draft pick this year. And um, it was really weird. I remember my folks going away overseas for like two weeks and two of my mates, two of my mates from school moved into my house because I, <laughs> I I'd already, I'd already sort of finished, I'd finished school. So I was at uni in my final year. And so they moved in and there was pizza boxes and, you know, we're playing, we're playing computer games and stuff. And I'm actually getting interviewed by some of the recruiters. It was just ridiculous when I look back at it. But um, um, <laughs> a lot of fun, the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, just to, to be able to then get, get selected and your name called out, it's a really special moment. But also knowing that I had to move away into state. I went to Sydney and I'd only been to Sydney once and that was actually to play a curtain raiser at the SCG. So my first ever move to Sydney, I'd actually been to the Swans um, home ground beforehand. Was there a specific club that you wanted to get drafted to? Um, I think I think having been, you know, sort of in that sort of journey along to be an AFL footballer, I think I was always happy to go wherever. You know, I'd, I'd been... Um, even if I remember doing work experience um, at the Age newspaper, and we went down to to, to watch uh, Geelong Footy Club train, and you know, seeing them in in the rooms warming up, and then doing different things. I was just like, whoever gives me reads me out, I'd be happy to go there. I think um, that year, in uh, the recruiters were saying that I was a likely top ten draft pick, and I think there was only two Melbourne clubs had picks inside the top ten, so I was highly likely to go into state so i just sort of packed up and get ready and, and and get ready to go yeah what was your feeling when the swans did reach a name out of pick eight yeah i, I actually attended the um the the draft that year so it's pretty scary thinking that i've got to go straight up and get interviewed and meet the coach what did at the time and um but uh, you know there's that whole excitement about it it's um I've seen the video of that day, and I look, yeah, you know, I look so young. I look ridiculous, to be honest. <laughs> like it just um, to think you're going to be playing against men, and you know, another twelve months time, it's sort of pretty crazy. What was going through your head um, when you did get drafted? Because obviously, being from Victoria, you've got to basically move into a whole different state. What was your feeling about that? Well, the Swans, I think they offered me a three-year deal and I only chose to go two years because I was like, I've never hardly been to Sydney. I don't know what it's going to be like. There'd been a previous couple of players leave Sydney. Um, so uh, Anthony Rocker and also um, Shannon Grant uh, so went, went returned to Melbourne. So I was a little bit unsure. Uh, but as soon as you get there and you get amongst training other players and you, you've got some good mates there after a little bit and I just loved it. I you know, re-signed pretty soon after that and and was lucky enough to play in my first year. Play, I think, played nine games in my first year. Um, what was your first day at Sydney like for you? 
Um, so I can still remember it. Yeah, I, I got picked up at the airport um, and uh, a couple of other recruits uh, at the time uh, jumped in the car as well. And um, so I got I moved in with a guy by the name of Rowan Wall and Ryan Fitzgerald. So Fitz, you'd know off, um, off the front bar and off TV and off the radio and things like that. So we had a lot of fun together. Um, I don't think we... Yeah, we were... We were never really that focused on footy, probably in the first bit, because we were just enjoying each other's company. But um, no, they, they taught me the ropes uh, a lot as a young kid. Um, realised I had to grow up a lot. I was only 18 and hadn't moved away from mum uh, and dad before. So, but you learn you learn pretty quickly. Was there anyone at the club that took you under their wing in like the first couple weeks of like you being there? Um, yeah, I think there's. Yeah, we had great mentors around that sort of time. And I look back and, um, you know, guys like Michael O'Loughlin, uh, Matthew Nix, obviously coach of the Adelaide Crows. Um, I really looked up to Nixie, um, ended up living in with him later on um, and moving in with him. And I think, you, yeah, we're really lucky to have that sort of group of players at the time coming through. And we weren't, we probably weren't set up for success at that time. We, you know, we accepted a bit of, bit of mediocrity, but... Um, you know, we were you know, really tight as a group and, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. How early in the week did you know, the week you were going to debut, how early did you know that you were playing? Oh, it's a long time ago now, but, uh, yeah, I, I'd sort of missed out a couple of weeks beforehand. So if you think about the time when I debuted, actually, uh, Plugger Lockett kicked his 1,300th goal and uh, became the leading goal kicker of all time um, a couple of weeks before I debuted. So I was sort of around that sort of time and um, I was, you know, I think uh, Nick Fosdyke debuted a couple of weeks beforehand. I was in reasonable form around that time, so I was just excited to get my, my, a, a Guernsey and um, I think I found out on the, on the Tuesday of that week. So just so excited to think I was going to run out and play and, um, my debut game was uh, at the old Princess Park or Optus Oval. Um, so just to play uh, at Carlton's old home ground against Carlton was, was pretty special. What was going through your head when you did find out that you were debuting? Um, I think I, I tried to just, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, you're excited, but you also got to think, how do I make the most of it and, and play well to stay in? And I... Um, you sort of get all these emotions through your mind and you've got to remember that, you know, there's a reason why they've picked you and, and you, you should be confident. Like, I think uh, I'm big on the fact that you don't you don't get given a game uh, too often. I mean, obviously, there's been scenarios where um, you know, clubs are decimated by injuries and things, but um, at that stage, we had to we had to earn your spot. Um, so, you know, I was deserving of that spot. So I just had to back myself. But it was funny, it's uh, that's at a time of... Um, when I when I came through, we sat on the bench for for quarter after quarter. It wasn't like rotations, so I think I came on halfway through the third quarter, which was <laughs> yeah a bit tough. What was your feeling when just before the first siren went on your debut? <sighs> it's a long, long time ago, Bailey. Um, I yeah, I think I think it just you know I was always my hardest taskmaster, so just you know, excited, you know, almost jumping out of your skin to perform. But then, um, yeah, I still, you know, look back on those days and um, 
Um, yeah, really, really fondly, even though I still remember my first kick in AFL where I turned it over. I, I got given the ball on the wing, looked inboard, hit Fraser Brown for Carlton on the chest and went <laughs> down to Lance Whitnall, who had a shot on goal, and the runner came out and said, don't ever kick something something short again so uh so i sort of uh learned pretty quickly that you know you've got to just try and back yourself but also execute well how happy were you to be able to like debut early in your career as you said before yeah i think um i'm big on the fact that yeah we don't give uh, young players games for a reason like you've just got to earn your spot so I, I had earned my spot, but then I think I played two games, then got dropped back into the reserves. Um, but it was good to get a taste of it. So really pleased and understand, okay, I still need to work on so much, uh, but also know that it's not too far away. I've got, if, if, you know, I, if I keep working at it, keep keep pushing, I can uh, and find a way back in. And, and I did that a few weeks later and um, yeah, ended up playing nine games in my first year and I think I played 16 in my second year. So um, it's probably not like some of the, you know, the young guns that are, are in the AFL now, where they come in and some of them are ready to play 22 games. You know, Sam Walsh's and things like that. But um, uh, you know, I'm pretty lucky that I did get that exposure and some good mentorship, and it set me up then to play a lot of consistent footy. What was it like to represent Australia in 2004 against Ireland? <laughs> yeah, I, I think the. Yeah, hopefully they always have some sort of representative footy in that sense because it's great to have uh, interaction with the other players, particularly in Sydney where you don't get that opportunity to see other players too often. In Melbourne, they get to you know, run into them around the traps and um, you know, speak to them and see how they're, they're working and training quite often, but we'd never had that exposure. We'd only just see them on the on the ground. So to get to see what how James Heard prepares for a game or... Um, you know, um, you know, Matthew Lappin and, and those sort of guys, Luke Ball, so uh, Nick Rewalt. I was really lucky to play, you know, alongside some really good players and, and then run out on uh, in a vastly different arena like Croke Park and play. So, um, yeah, I, I look back really fondly on that. What was it like to hold the record for most tackles in an AFL game? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I said that... Uh, I think it was over in West Coast. Um, yeah, ended up having 19 tackles in a game. Um, we, we used to always take the tackles or the coaches would go back over and they record their own tackles. So you quite often read in the paper, you know, there's been, uh, you've made 11 tackles and the coaches come back and go, no, 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 you made six tackles and you've missed five. Like, they, it's cost us, you know. So they, they were really hard on that. Um, and I think... Ruzi came back and sort of said that I'd laid 18 and one that day. So I was, was pretty solid that um, I didn't have too many missed. And a lot of them were on the likes of Daniel Kerr and, you know, that quality um, midfield for, for West Coast. And we had a really good win. So, yeah, it was a, a pretty special game. Yeah. What was your lead up to the 2005 AFL Grand Final like? Um, yeah, I think it's your dream as a kid just to of playing in a grand final. I, I, I didn't, um, I was, grew up in Ballarat and we never got to too many grand finals as a kid. But then when you're, um, you know, once you're in the AFL, I used to actually enjoy getting along to seeing a couple of the grand finals just to, to let it burn about 
geez, I would love to be out here and, um, you know, I hate seeing, hate seeing the side sing the song after the game because you're like, I wish that was us. And suddenly that opportunity comes and it's just, oh, it's unbelievable. Like just that whole build up to a grand final, the, the, um, the parade is just phenomenal. Um, you've got people coming out of the woodwork for tickets. You're just trying to focus on um, you know, turning the phone off because otherwise you're talking about the game over and over. Um, and then a, the roar of going onto the, the, the ground, it still fills my, uh, my lungs, the excitement and energy of running out of the MCG. And you know, Obviously, it's going to be different this year for the players running out of the Gabba, but um, yeah, still be a, an amazing feeling for them. What was your feelings pre-game in that? Um, I think grand final day is is probably one of the... You sit there and say, this could be the best day of my life or it could be one of the worst. And um, that's the fear. The fear factor drives a lot of people. And I, I certainly got really nervous. And um, I think you certainly... I remember looking back at that you always run through the banner and then you sit down and take a photo with all the team and the grand final team photo and I was like I'm, I'm as white as a sheet in the photo like I'm sort of stressing <laughs> about it and it's um you, you sort of I don't know like it, you just don't want to make a mistake on the big stage and you want to do everything to try and win the game but I think sometimes that energy can be over above what you need you need to be able to be calm and um think your way through it and, and I guess that's why experience on the big stage does you know quite often tell be really telling uh, telling thing. Can you talk us through the last couple of minutes before and when Leo Barry took that absolute screamer? <laughs> well, we, we we're on a WhatsApp group, but it was 15 years um, during uh, a couple of days ago since that moment. And uh, I think it was Goodsy who sent the message and said, if only Mickey O'Loughlin kicked straight on that day, we wouldn't have to be reminded every year of Leo Barry's mark. Uh, but uh, it's such an incredible moment. I think just the build-up to that to that moment, there was some missed shots. I know I missed a couple of shots in that final term. Uh, you know, a snap or two. Um, I had the headgear on at that stage, but it was just so fiercely con- um, contested footy. You know, trying to break through tackles and. Um, you know, the ball wasn't getting moved around at, at great speed because it was just so intense. But um, that whole moment of just building up and then Leo obviously kicked it out and gets marked by Dean Cox. Uh, so he turned it over and then he comes flying in. And you look at that marking contest and there's probably about four free kicks, mainly to West Coast in that in that uh, piece. And, and Mark Seabee's going for a mark. So um, it was just an amazing, iconic moment. And, and Leo was able to secure a, uh, an amazing win for us. But, but uh, the whole the whole final series, it comes down to cameos. At some stage, your moment's going to be there. And we wouldn't have been there without Nick Davis's four goals against Geelong a couple of weeks before that. What do you, what was going through your head when Cox marked that and sent it back into the 50? <laughs> um, yeah, just blow the siren. I, I was just <laughs> near Dean Cox there. Um, I think... Yeah, I, it just, oh, you, you're just so ner- you're nervous as hell when it goes in there. And I love grand final day because um, we'd, you know, we'd see the orange coats quite often would just go and surround the MCG um, and they're, they're all the security guards making sure people don't run onto the ground straight after the siren goes. 
but you know when they start to walk around that this is the last five minutes of a grand final and it this is all time like this is going to be um something really memorable do you want to be remembered for the right reasons and for leo to be in that moment and and take a mark like that is oh we just look back and we're really thankful that we're able to win a premiership and and uh particularly after a 72 years which is was at the time the longest uh in Australian sports, so a long, um, a long drought for our club. What was it like to break that drought and be a part of it? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty special. I've had people come up and just say, you know, where I was that day, and you know, they, they might have been in a pub in, in New South Wales, they might have been watching at their folks' house or something like that, or, um, you know, but they all remember that moment when Leo uh, took that mark and. Um, it was a, a really special grand final and you know, really proud that we were able to uh, obviously win there and then try and defend it the whole way the next year uh, to, to lose by a point in, in 2006. Obviously devastating. I've never watched that grand final and I actually taped it the other day because I think I, I'd probably have to sit through and uh, re- re- remind myself all the errors and mistakes I made on the big stage. How happy were you to perform well in the 2005 grand final? I didn't, I didn't perform too well and you know that's that's what it is it's sort of uh, I always speak to young you know young kids around you know even coached a, a young uh, side the other day before their grand final and I'm big on the fact that you don't have to be the best player on grand final day you just have to be trusted by your teammates you have to look them in the eye and be able to say you're going to give everything on the big stage and, and, and fight to the last moment and, um, I felt that you know at least I'd sort of uh, contributed in a way, but I certainly wasn't. Yeah, certainly wasn't good on on two thousand five day. What was it like when you got the medal presented to you? Yeah, I think um, that's one of the special moments when the you know kids come out and present the medals and things like that. Um, you get give you know, one of the young guys a little medal and things like that. It's there's just really special moments. Get a chance to celebrate with your teammates, and um, oh, I think uh, they're just. Stuff that I'll always remember. I, I remember having, you know, the, the the Lake Oval the next day with all the South Melbourne Sydney Swans fans, um, and then we get to take the Premiership Cup back to the SCG, and you know, there's thousands of fans waiting on the SCG as well for us. So, um, really cool. Yeah. What was it like in the rooms after the game? Um. Yeah. So I <laughs> I had. I had uh, I think 12 stitches to be put in in the top of my head. I got a knee in the head in the uh, third quarter, I think it was. So big, massive gash in my head. So I had to get taped up um, and wear a helmet for the last uh, last quarter. Uh, I s- stupidly wore the helmet after the game. And, um, yeah, everyone, everyone thinks now I wore a helmet for my whole career. And I'm like, I wore it for 10 minutes. But... Um, <laughs> It was actually it was actually the same helmet that Brett Kirk wore the the week before in a in a prelim final, and you you put this helmet on you could hardly hear so he cut the ears out of it because otherwise you, someone's calling for the ball and you can't even hear it so, um, yeah I, I was lucky enough obviously to to um, you know we win the premiership we go inside after that and I had to sit down I had a uh, a beer in my hand and I'm laying down getting my head stitched up but then just celebrating with the boys. And we got to go out to the middle of the MCG and then, um, you know, stand around in the middle of the MCG, sing the club song. And at that stage, we used to go over to the old punt road oval for the celebrations. And 
I remember going over there and um, you'd go in and you'd sort of present it to the crowd, but there's this little back room and it's just like fresh beers are on the, on the ice <laughs> and we're ready to, ready to go and ready to celebrate. And two of my best mates, uh, Daniel Deguina and Daniel Byrne, were somehow managed to sneak in there. They jumped the fence and were in there waiting. And I was like, how, how are you able to have photos in this little private room? It was really special. I'll always love it. And I was actually sending the photos through the other day. What was your 300th like for you? Yeah, people always ask me um, what are some of my special memories or which are my favourite games. And I think the 300 was probably one of my favourite games because I got to carry my oldest daughter, um, uh, Ciara, through the banner. And, you know, I think it was in a preliminary a preliminary final at, um, at ANZ Stadium. Uh, we're playing against Collingwood, uh, trying to get into a grand final. They've had... I think the best part of nine or ten wins in a row against us. Um, so they just had the wood over us. Uh, so for to be able to carry my daughter through, I think I kicked a couple of goals that night, um, as well as um, you know playing. Know that we're advancing to a grand final. Um, yeah, really, really great memories for, for for me and my family, and having my family, and my wife in the crowd. And yeah, I love love that moment. My daughter looks at the photo of us going through the banner. I've got that as one of the only things I have up around my house. And she always goes, that's me. Look at me. So she was only young. What was it like to win another grand final in 2012 against the Hawks? Um, I think um, I, I, the fact that there was seven years apart um, and there was a couple of us, obviously, who played in the 2005 and then the tw- 2012, um, it, it's, it was such a vastly different team, really uh, different skill set. I mean, you look at the pace that we had then. We had guys like Lewis Jetta, who was just cutting them up um, and running really, really quick. We had a really different different side going into that team so uh, game. So, but I'm really proud that we um, were able to play against Hawthorne, on which is effectively their their home ground, and 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 win. And that that game, 2012, was. That was an epic game. It was um, really back and forth each each time, and uh, the wind particularly was really tough on the day. And um, but special to be able to say we we managed to hold on and um, and win another premiership. And I think uh, the fact that we go down and there's a couple of us in Goodsey, myself, Louis Roberts Thompson, and Ryan O'Keefe that that have won two premierships for the club and um, been able to have a really successful era together is. Is something really that I'll always cherish. How much advice did you give to the youngsters in the team that hadn't played in a grand final that week? Um, I think no. I can remember being a, we had a bit of a, a run on the on the field um, just during the after the grand final um, parade. So we were able to just go for a bit of a kick on the MCG, and I remember just saying, "Look, you know, like just soak this up. It's going to be so overwhelming when you run out and the the crowds." You know, cheering and going hard that first bit, but make the ball, ball your focus and just get get back to that. And one of the things I remember did uh, saying to the guys was just the fact that Michael O'Loughlin was a, a great, um, obviously, mentor and uh, um, someone that I always looked up to and, and was lucky enough to play with. But you know, he played in a in a grand final in 1996 as a 19 year old or 18 year old, and he just he said to us, he goes, I thought it was going to happen every year after that. 
and it wasn't until 2005 that he got another opportunity. So you've got to make it every time you get to the, the big stage, you've got to make it count. Don't, don't leave anything out there. So don't expect that we'll be back there next year. And, uh, but just give everything so we can be a premiership team. So, um, and we we're lucky enough to, to hold uh, Hawthorne off and yeah, get to celebrate again. Yeah. What was it like to win the Madden medal in 2013? Yeah, I think um, having been a Players Association delegate for Sydney um, and part of the AFLPA, I was, I was really proud to win the um, the Madden medal. It's sort of uh, for contributions both on and off the field. So, you know, as as a as a retiring player, and it was you know a really good uh, group of guys who retired at the same same time. But yeah, really lucky to to have won that. And um, yeah, I, I think for me, uh, you know, you, you, the more you put into um, the community work and other things outside of football, the more you get back from footy. And I was, I was really pleased that we were able to uh, do a lot of that sort of work during, um, during my career. And it, it gave me a good sense of how lucky we were as players. Um, what was it like to, uh, what were your milestone games like for you? Um, yeah. Uh, so I think we, I played my debut game at Optus Stadium against Carlton. I played my 50th game against Carlton also at Optus, Optus Stadium. My 100th game, it was against Hawthorne, I think, at the SCG. And I was lucky enough to um, kick a goal, get a handball off Amon Buchanan, kick a goal to um, to seal the game, which was awesome. 150, I think I got belted by St Kilda in the rain. Uh, 200, uh, got belted by Melbourne at the MCG, uh, 250, I, no, sorry, 200 was against Melbourne at, down in Canberra. We won that and 250, I think, against the Ds and we got belted at the MCG. So I think it was a bit of a mixed bag, but obviously the 300 milestone, um, I was able to uh, uh, have a, a really good win. So uh, milestone games were always important for me, but not in terms of my own, but just for the other players. Um, I just love playing in my, my teammates' milestone games. I think um, there's some of the special things about team sport is being able to say we're going to try and celebrate for you today and get you over the line. And um, yeah, I remember when uh, Goodsey passed Michael O'Loughlin on the the most games for the, the club. We had an amazing win down in um, in Tasmania, and it gave us a lot of confidence that actually we we could win this this year. And but just that, that milestone is, is a really special one to celebrate and, and things I look back on. How hard was the decision to retire? <laughs> um, oh, no. When you know your body, you know you can't keep up with some of the young stars of the game. Um, could I have gone around again? Maybe maybe I could have and played another, another year. Um, I think in my final year, I think I kicked 28 goals or something like that, so I was still contributing, but... You feel like you're not, you can't get there as you as you, you'd want to, or, or you feel like you're starting to let the team down at different stages. So um, I had really good advice along the way, guys like um, you know, Cameron Ling and even Tom Harley, who I spoke to beforehand. And I, I was keen to get into the media post football, but um, you know the, the good the good advice from both the club and also uh, organisations like Channel Seven was that. You know, let's let's make a decision not on just twelve months. What's what's best for your long term career? And I made I made that decision after twenty twelve, when a lot of people thought I'd retire after the premiership. To say no, no, the the itch is still there. I want to contribute and want to be a part of 
2013. And I had a you know really good year with all the youngsters there, and I love playing the, with the side again. And unfortunately, we got beaten by um, uh, Fremantle Dockers at, uh, in uh, the preliminary final, and they advanced to the final against uh, Hawthorne the next week. So, you know, I, I look back with no regrets, but it wasn't a hard decision after that. I, I think I knew my body was was really uh, in a bad state. My knees are a bit degenerative after a while, and uh, pretty banged up. What advice would you have for any youngsters playing footy? Yeah, for me, there's there's a few things that I always talk to youngsters about. Um, first and foremost, make sure you just always keep the love of the game, and that's just you know why you, why you started, what 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 brings you to the game. And for me, it was just the, the ability to compete against others. I loved the competition side of things and the toughness of, of footy. Um, so I always kept that sort of attitude and the, the, the vibrance to it. Um, the other thing is just, you know, you've got to work on, obviously, skills are a critical part of it. You've always got to be touching the footy, making sure you, you know, you don't fumble um, is a critical part of footy. Uh, so working on your skills, you've got to be able to run as well. So, you know, making sure you're really um, giving yourself the best opportunity by being as fit as you can, as fast as you can, but just bring your, bring your, um, strengths, you know, play to your strengths every time. So there's a few things that I sort of look back on and uh, and think that's going to hold you in good stead. Um, footy and footy in all all aspects are always a, a real challenge, and you've got to keep your confidence about you. Don't ever lose your confidence. Back yourself and just uh, get in there and get it done. What was it like being inducted into the Sydney's Hall of Fame? Yeah, that was a special night. I um. I uh, got invited and they said, oh, could, could you come along to this um, uh, jumper presentation? We'd love to love you to present a jumper. And I was like, oh, I'd love to go down. And then they sort of said, oh, would you like a, um, a table? And I was I was like, okay, yeah, for sure. I'd, yeah, I'll take my family along. I've never really got them along too often. And even my grandfather came up from stall in Victoria. Um, so that was really great to have him on the plane and he doesn't fly too often. So he came up and we just got almost a bit of closure on, on my career at the Swans and suddenly inducted into the Hall of Fame. I was like, wow, I didn't even expect that. And my grandfather said to me, I wouldn't get on a plane for nothing. I wouldn't get to just come up here just to, um, you know, watch a jumper presentation. So uh, just, I think for me, I'm really lucky to be a, a Hall of Famer at the Swans. And But I look back and think I'm just more lucky that I, I played in a really good, uh, good era and we, we had a lot of success. And we get to look back and celebrate that success with all the fans, the club, um, you know, and, and my fellow teammates. It's everything I've got for you, too. Thanks, Hedge, for coming on once again. Uh, pleasure, Bailey. Anytime, mate. So, uh, hopefully it goes well. Oh, yeah, good to go. We'll now just jump into the grand final massive preview. Thanks, Aaron Lord, our previous guest from last week, for coming on. Really appreciate it, mate. Not a problem at all, mate. Have you been alright? Yeah, good, thanks. Good to hear. We'll just jump into these questions. Yep. Who do you have winning the grand final and why? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's a flip of the coin, to be honest. I know that's a bit of a sitting on the fence answer, but um, oh, look, it's just so hard to pick. They've both been so awesome throughout their finals campaign and in fact um, the whole year but I've got Geelong just just winning in a, in a tight game I think it'll sort of 
sort of seesaw all throughout the, the game. But I, I think if I look at it on paper and the form that they've sort of taken in over the finals, I think Geelong by less than a kick in an absolute uh, an absolute nail biter. Yeah, I'm going against that one. I think Tigers feel like when they didn't have them injuries, they've almost been the best side of the year. And for them to come back from all the injuries they've had throughout the year, now they've got everyone on the park. I feel like they're just really balanced, especially that back line. They don't really have a weak link down there. I think they'll, if, say, Noah Bolton matches up on Hawkins first up and that doesn't work, they can then rely on Asprey. So I just think they've got more balanced around the ground. Questions. One from my one of my teachers, Mr. Mini. Um, yep. Who were some of the key matchups? Do you think? Yeah, it's interesting because they're two completely different sides. The way they sort of play at the moment. I mean, Richmond sort of play that sort of um, run and gun, rely on you coughing the ball up and then rebounding and scoring very quickly on the on the transition. Whereas Geelong like like to keep the ball, um, win the ball in contested situations and clearances, and then hold on to it for as long as they can. To the point of overpossessing it, perhaps in the last two or three games. But um, I think to answer your question, the midfield matchups are certainly critical. You know, you consider Richmond with Martin Koch and Edwards and Presti, you know, coming up against the likes of Dangerfield, Ablett, Duncan, Guthrie, and Selwood. I mean, it's just their mouth-watering sort of matchups, um, and I think that's going to go a long way to determining who's going to win the game. Up forward, I mean, you've already touched on it. I think Lynch and Rewell obviously uh, hold the key for the Tigers in terms of their, their tools. Um, at the other end, sort of Tommy Hawkins, if he can put on a, a good, uh, good display along with Dangerfield when he's resting down there, it's, um, yeah, it's certainly going to be a great game. Can't wait. Yeah, one of this is a really specific matchup. I'd love to see it's just Selwood and Cochin just both both go at it for the whole game. It'd be such a good viewing. Both hard nuts at it. Both very competitive, and I feel like whoever wins that midfield battle will have um, very will give them a lot more chance of them winning this game. Yeah, but that adds to, adds to the confusion in some respects as well, because, like I said earlier, Geelong pride themselves on their contested ball and clearance winning, but they haven't necessarily been that good in their, in their two finals, whereas Richmond, on the other hand, have been terrible all year. I think 17th ranked in clearances and contested possessions, but have been in the top two or three in their last Especially two finals. Especially against so Port. It's, it's, sort of, it's, it's, it's really reversed in terms of some of the, the key stats, so... But they're just great players. All of them have had fantastic years, the ones we just mentioned. And I'd love to see them go head-to-head as well. I, I, th- I certainly think they have to go head-to-head on on, uh, on Dusty Martin. I mean, a lot's been spoken about. We'll, we'll probably speak about it a little bit more in this conversation as well. But if there's one man you've got to lock down on for the whole game, in my opinion, it's, um, it's Dustin for sure. Yeah. Did Geelong send anyone specific to Martin or did they just go head-to-head with him? I think when he's... Uh, you know, his form in finals, it speaks for itself. He's just... You know, he's arguably the best finals player the game's ever seen. So I think when he's in the midfield, it's non-negotiable for mine. You've got to, you've got to put a Kevin Guthrie or someone to run with him. Um, just talk about Parfit perhaps going to him. I think he's a little bit inexperienced. So I'd be throwing the kitchen sink at Martin. I'd be putting Ken Guthrie on him right from the get-go. And then, obviously, I'd be rotating players when he, when he does push forward. Um, you know, so there's a couple of options in college as in. 
Um, a couple of others that could potentially take him when he goes forward. But certainly when he's in the middle of the ground, I'd be having him more like a glove, and I think Cam Guthrie's um, the perfect player to do that. Yeah, I gotta agree with you on that one with Guthrie. He's just he's um, I feel like he's a bigger body than Parfit, so he, he Dusty wouldn't be able to brush him off as much and he's had more experience than Parfit. Not taking anything yeah. away from Parfit, he's still an absolute gun. Uh, not at all. But um yeah, absolutely. Guthrie's just more suited because he's played finals footy a lot more than what um Parfit has, but still it's gonna be a really tough matchup, whoever gets Dusty. about the Gabba that suits DeLong like Chris Scott's like Chris Scott seems to think. <laughs> oh, I think it's a bit of mind games on this one, mate, knowing knowing Scotty and how he operates. Um, I know their record's better there. They haven't I don't think they've lost a game up there, have they? Um, this year? I don't think so. And the only game that Richmond lost was against um against the Lions, so it's obviously it's their home ground. So uh, look, I don't think the dimensions of the ground are too too dissimilar to what they're used to playing on and it's a neutral ground for both sides. I mean if it was played at Virginia Park, you'd say that you'd, you'd favour the Caps in. If it played at the MCG, you'd probably favour the Tigers. So I don't sort of take a lot into what Scotty said in that regard. I just think it's um, it's a unique year that we've all had, obviously, um, as players and spectators and as neutral, neutral territory for both clubs. So I don't think it's an advantage either way. Yeah, I'm the same. They've both played tons of footy at the Gabba this year. They both have played yeah. really good footy there. I don't think it'll matter. Um and they don't, it won't really be that biased because there wouldn't be that many Geelong and Richmond fans up in Brisbane, which will... Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, as I said, I mean, if, if a final was being played as it has been, I think Geelong will play finals against Fremantle in the past, for example, down at the near park. And, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's basically you play a 19 versus 18 because the crowd is such a factor, whereas, as you say, in a neutral, neutral um, venue, you, you're going to have a lot of... Um, yeah, there might be a lot of support either way, certainly uh, in favour of, of one side. So, yeah, I think that takes the ground um, and the crowd sort of element out of it, um, and it really just comes down to the raw talent and who's best on the day. Yeah. If it um, rains, who do you think that'll? Whose game style do you think that'll suit the most? Oh, so again, it's the toss of the coin, but I think Richmond just slightly. Oh, I, I think oh, I think proved over in Adelaide. They've had the experience certainly in the preliminary final against Port Adelaide. It was a horrible night over there. So. Um, and just their ability, their small sort of mosquito fleet of, of players up forward who can get the job done and, and prove to do so in that last quarter of those, those clutch goals um, in the wet. Geelong will still be uh, still a very good wet weather team, um, but I think if it's if it's atrocious conditions, I think I'd, I'd, I'd slightly I'd slightly favour Richmond. How about you? What do you think, mate? Yeah, I'm going Richmond. Like what, when I've watched them this year, and it's been wet. They've played really smart. Wet weather footy, just getting the ball forward more than the other. They just get moving, yeah. yeah. Yeah, more than the opponent that they're playing against. The yeah. key with Richmond, like, I don't think they have the best list in the AFL, but they've probably got the smartest players in in the AFL. They just know yeah. what to do and when to do it. So that's why I'm yeah. picking them, and I think they're just a little bit of a smaller side. 
and more yeah, agile. Well, they're, certainly, they're certainly smaller in stature, that's, that's true. They, and they just seem to get the, the numbers. They seem to outnumber their opposition more, yeah. more so than other clubs. And even when it was just in those atrocious conditions in Adelaide against Power the other night, they'd just hack it out of a pack and there'd be two on one uh, Richmond versus Poor. They'd always be that, that extra number there. So I think their work rate and their ability just to keep them, keep surging the ball forward in the wet, um, but across the line against Port. So I tend to agree with you. And they just spread so well across the ground as well. Yeah, they do. I mean, look, they're, they're, like you said before, they're so balanced across every across every component of the ground. And um, you know, I, I, I don't think they have full cast range. For more reports, I think it's going to be quite balmy, actually, twenty nine or thirty degrees up there in the night game. So um, let's hope it is good conditions and we see the best of both sides. Um, that's not to say that the Port Richmond game wasn't a great game, but obviously those conditions are pretty tough to play in. Yeah. Do you think someone like Harry Taylor should try and roughen up Tom Lynch early on, or just let Tom Lynch? Go about his business. Well, if you look at his last performance, he looked very rattled, didn't he? Like Port were right into him right from the get go, and, and he, he was clearly off his game. Um, you know, he wanted to just go, go the go the man. I think he was, um, who was it? He one of the young blokes, the young Port. Xavier Dersman got up to him after he kicked uh, that goal. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think uh, Lynch had a, a bit to say to him before he had to shot the goal. He, he went back and kicked the goal, and um, he, he just seemed off, off off his game. I've never seen him like that. So. Yeah, I think there'll be an element of that. I don't think Harry Taylor's the type of player to, to sort of, um, you know, do anything underwater or, or, or do it all day. But I think there might be an element of um, let's try and sort of get him off his game early. And um, if, if it works, great. If it doesn't, well, let's just get back to sort of one-on-one tactics. Yeah, there's nothing bad about a bit of banter early on. It's just part of footy. Oh, it'll definitely be on early. And that's not just with Lynch, it'll be with everyone. I mean, um, you know, they're two, they're two very confident sides and they're two very experienced sides. And... Um, and very proud teams, a very proud club. So I expect there'll be a, a bit on early, and um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Who is your tip for the Norm Smith? Well, given that I tipped you along, I'm going to say Paddy Dangerfield, but that's not really sort of sticking your neck out. Um, I'd love to see someone like a Mitch Duncan win it. Very um, underrated. And of course, Gaz in his last game, that'd be fantastic as well. But um, I think if the Cats win, it'd be obviously Paddy needs to have a, a big game, so I'd be. I'd be saying be right up there. Mitch has been in great form. Mitch Duncan and, and as I said, Gaz. If, if Richmond get across the line, well, we know their experienced campaigners. Dusty's done it twice already, and Basher Hall has been fantastic in both as well. Uh, if the Tigers get up, I'd like to see someone like a Shane Edwards win it. So um, to answer your question, I think Geelong win at Dangerfield, and if Richmond win it, I'll say Shane Edwards. Yeah, I'm going the same with um, Richmond one, Shane Edwards. I really love the way he plays. Just. Goes yeah. about his business. Very underrated player. Doesn't create any fuss. And if yeah. Geelong win it, I am going to go a bit of a roughie with Mike Bliskar, so I feel like he might get the Tom Lynch matchup, maybe, or Jack Rebold. And if he can keep one of them quiet, it'll go to a long way yeah. of them winning it. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, look, that's not beyond the realms of possibility for a key defender to win it this week because you've got the, the, three, the three big... Big boys, you've got Hawkins for Geelong and Lynch and Rewald who have proven, proven uh, finals performance. So whoever can follow the influence of those players will have a will have a great game themselves. So it's not bad. It's not a bad uh, prediction that one. Do you think Tom Hawkins not training will pay much of a disadvantage, or do you think it won't matter at all? No, I think it's been blown up way out of fortune. I don't have any inside knowledge, mate, but I, I but I do. I have heard whispers around the club, having been a former player of Geelong, is, is that it has been. Way overblown. He wasn't feeling the best deal in the week, but certainly it was nothing to do with COVID nineteen or anything like that. He was tested negative, so 
Um, he just had a bit of a scratchy throat and was feeling a bit flat after a really tough game. So I, I expect him to fully train well all week or for the rest of the week. And I, I expect him to be in 100% um, form and fitness for, for Saturday night. Yeah, how much midfield time do you think Dusty should play compared to forward? Yeah, it's going to depend, on, and the same with Paddy, it's going to depend on how the, the game is playing out. Um, you know, look, it just depends on if one team starts to get the, the ascendancy on the other, but certainly Dusty, I'd be starting in the middle as I would with Danger. And um, But, you know, I certainly, in my opinion, it'll probably be about, uh, for Dusty, it'll be a, probably a 65% midfield, 35% forward, and I think maybe even more closer to a 50-50 with Paddy, I think. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, Paddy's been playing a lot forward lately, and it's, yeah. I feel like yeah. he's given that real edge because he's one of the best forwards sure. when he does play forward. And Dusty, in grand finals, he, he always plays a lot more midfield time. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's probably right. So you'd sort of say 70% midfield for Dusty, 30% forward, and probably yeah. it has to be more of a, of a half-and-half half split for Paddy, given how good his form's been. And it also just takes an unhealthy reliance on, on Tom Hawkins because, you know, when Tom's on, he can kick a bag of six, we know that. But, um, you know, if he's not having a good kicking night or if he's, or if he's being well held and Richmond have got a great defence, as you mentioned earlier, well, then you need that extra dimension for Geelong up forward and Paddy's provided that in the last two weeks. So, yeah, I think it's more likely to be about a 50-50 for Paddy and probably a 70-30 for Dusty. When those two do go forward, who do you play on them? Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? I mean... I don't know. I mean, they've got so many options, Richmond down defence. I mean, you know, there's one argument you sort of, you play, you know, you play someone like a Hooli on him, so you make him go accountable the other way. You play Hooli on a danger field, so you, you make Paddy work the other way, which you won't necessarily want to do. I mean, they've got like, like Jaden Short, Nick Boston, these types of guys. Um, Evan Grimes. I'm not sure who the direct matchup is. Um, I think for Dusty, though, oh, jeez. Well, I'd be interested in your thoughts, actually, but... Oh, I just don't know who who can go with him. Maybe a college Anthony after the, the job he did on, on Charlie Cameron after quarter time. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in what, who you think they're gonna they're gonna go with. Yeah, I'm thinking college Anthony. Just the way he played on Cameron after quarter time. Yes, Cameron kicked a few in the first quarter, but after yeah. that he didn't do a whole lot. Yeah, very quiet. Um, who else? Well, probably your logical matchup. Uh, you know, and who would you play on Paddy up the other end? Um, I'd probably. Lost on a, or Grimes on him? Yeah, I think Grimes is probably the best matchup to be honest. Now, now I think about it, because um, the thing is that Paddy is—he's obviously—it's underrated how quick he is. We all know that he can explode away from packs, but up forward, he's unstoppable on the lead. Just can't get anywhere near him. Yeah. And then if, if you've got the speed to match him, well, then you've got to be strong enough overhead to stop him in the air, which which takes the likes of guys like Hooley and perhaps Short out of the equation. So it's probably going to have to be Grimes. Or Vlosten, you know, or even Asprey time. I'm not sure, so we'll just have to see how, how it plays out. But that Paddy matchup takes off like Grimes and Vlosten's intercept game as well, which really helps Geelong's forward entries. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And look, it'll, it'll go a long way of winning the game because you know they rely so heavily on you coughing the ball up. Since Richmond, they rely you bringing the ball ball inside fifty or however you want, and then um, backing themselves into. Take it off you on the turnover and, and run it out through guys like Cooley. I mean, Grimes with his intercept marking, so if they've got Hawkins up and running and Paddy up and running early, it's going to put a lot of pressure on that Richmond back line. They won't be able to defend as, as they would usually like to. Do you think they play Gaz in the midfield or forward like they have been the whole year? Look, I'd be inclined to play more midfield. I must admit, this is one where I probably differ from 
most of the um, commentators. I, I just know Gaz is capable of, and I know that he's not the player he was five years ago, or not ten years ago, or whatever. But still a very um, good player, though. Gee whiz, I, I'd, I'd be, I'd be really, really um, inclined to just throw him in the middle and just say, just go and play, because that's what he does best. You know, he, he can hunt the footy. He's more than capable of having a thirty-five position game and kicking two goals if he, if he was in that role. But I think I'd probably go a little bit conservative with him and probably play him a little bit more forward. But if the game is in the balance or if the game's slipping away, then I'll certainly try and straighten the midfield because he's certainly their most experienced player and, and still one of their best three or four players. Yeah, and he's just a big-time player, knows when to find the ball, where to use it, and just he doesn't know as much pressure and, as the um, young blokes. It'll it, it just depend on how the game's playing out. Um, as I said, if, if Hawkins and, and Dangerfield aren't kicking goals up forward, he'll you know, add a little bit needed up forward, but if they're doing their job as they should as key forwards, well, then he'll probably play a bit more for, um, time in the midfield. So uh, it's, it's it's just intriguing. Every every, every matchup you look at, it's got, you know, it's just got stars on every line, so it should be a fantastic game. Yeah. How did Geelong turn their performance around from round 17 when Richmond were all over them? Yeah, I just uh, I, I'm reluctant to sort of compare games throughout this year. Only only this year in particular. I think in any other year you can sort of compare where the game was played, under what conditions, what was the, how many days break you had, who was your previous opponent, what were your players out, etc. But this year has just been such a dog's breakfast. I think you not put a line through it. They've certainly reviewed the last game, but I, I just don't think you should place so much emphasis on it. And given that I've got a list here in front of me of who, who was out, so Geelong. So they had no Selwood, no Stanley, no Rowan, no Ablett, and the Tigers had no Edwards, Prestia and Asperich. So there's, you know, there's seven quality players. Who are in the team this week. monumental difference to how the game's being played this week. So, um, yeah, I mean, without sort of passing the buck, I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be placing too much emphasis on the fact that which one were, were quite dominant on that night um, and won quite comfortably in the end, but I think it's a completely different ball game. What, what, what do you make of it? Um, yeah, them seven players will definitely make a massive difference from coming back. But it was, from what I recall, it was really wet and both teams didn't kick very straight. That's true, yeah. I think mean, it was 7-15 or something. To, yeah. Oh, it was a very low-scoring game. So, but it was 22 shots to 9 or something like yeah, that. So they were, they were very dominant in getting the ball inside 50, Richmond, but they just didn't convert. So... So if you're if you're if you're sufficient if you and if you rely on those sorts types of comparisons then then Julian you know, Richmond should should certainly go in a favour given that they've got the, the runs on the board for the year but I just think it'll be a completely different dynamic dynamic this week much much different occasion much bigger crowd much better conditions and much different teams so we'll just have to wait and see yeah how do Richmond stop Geelong. Well, you just got to stop Geelong possessing the ball. They're that, that, possessing it, like I said to you. Um, earlier, like they just love controlling the pace and the tempo of the game. So, if you can deny them um, the ability to win contested ball in the middle, which they're great at, and their clearance work, um, which is not Richmond's strength, it's not even in their premiership years, they haven't been great at contested ball and clearances. They rely on a whole different game plan. So, I think if you can, I think because um, Geelong will always practically every week have more possession than their, their opponents. So you need to limit their ability to win at stoppages. Um, to win the to win contested possession and also to 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 control the tempo of the game by kicking it backwards and laterally and, and taking their time going inside fifty, you've got you've got to take that away from the Cats. And I think the last time they played and then previous times they've met, um, Richmond's pressure has been enormous. Uh, in, in times they have beaten Geelong, they're just their pressure, particularly from their small their, their small um, forwards and small defenders, has been off, off the charts good. Yeah, 
because I feel Geelong just love to play that slow go game, which has worked from basically all year. But Richmond's yeah. pressure is so elite, so they sort of combat each other. So yeah, if Rich, right. if Richmond bring that pressure, which they have basically all year, they're the best pressure team in the comp, in, in my opinion. Yeah. I think yeah. it'll be yeah, too. I, I think it'll be too much for Geelong. But if yeah. Geelong can stop that pressure game of Richmond, I think they'll go go over the top of Richmond and win it. Yeah, and that's, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? Because if, if they both play anywhere near what they're capable of and, to, and anywhere near what their game style represents, well then it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a total flip of the coin because in Geelong's perfect world, they'll control possession. In Richmond's perfect world, they won't know how you have the possession because they'll, they'll be ripping it off you every, every chance they get. So it's going to be it's going to be astonishing how it all plays out. It's just going to be a great game of footy. That's all the questions I've got for you, Lordy. Thanks once again for coming on two weeks in a row. Really appreciate it. No, no worries, mate. Where are you watching the grand final? 